This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome everyone. Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio and... Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. With my friend Matt Fonzolo. Hi, Matt. Hello, sir. Well, we're going to put this out on both of our feeds. We have this very passionate discussion. Let me set this up. We were at Apex. You were looking all over the floor at Apex and you said, oh, (laughs) there's Isaac. There's Rich. I'm only kidding. You said, hey, let's go in the studio. And I was there. I think I was sitting on the fourth microphone. It was your show, but I was kind of hovering. And I was so impressed with the dialogue. I mean, it is a must listen to episode. I got to tell you, one of the best in the last six months, just because the camaraderie worked. Yeah, definitely. The camaraderie, I might have accidentally topped that episode with Bob Hype, also recorded at Apex for different reasons. But that also is camaraderie. Yes, I finished listening to it today. I always listen to every episode, even though I may have been part of it or even if I'd done them myself. And I learned so much more without being in the moment from a listener. Bob Hype's episode was transformational in my mind. And I know that's what he discussed, but it, it was something that everyone in the industry needs to hear. I think so for multiple reasons, both just physical health when he's talking about his journey with his heart, bypass surgery and stuff leading up to it, and then dealing with the after effects and then also stuff in his personal life. So mental health, you know, you hate to put yourself over or I guess I'm not putting myself over, I'm putting over Bob. And I think rightfully so. It's a must listen, I think. I think at that level, I don't think I'm exaggerating. I think it can save people and might save their life. I know that sounds really boastful and I wish it didn't, but I think there's that type of conversation occurring. You're 100% right. It can be transformational for people, especially when you hear the vulnerability that Bob brings to the episode. I saw Bob in in a different light than I've ever seen him before. And I'm in the studio and when we're all done... I got a little emotional over the story. One of the uh, drawbacks of being fairly wry or sarcastic is when you do try to be serious, they may not take you quite as seriously as you intend. But I had suggested to a few people when they listen to it, maybe don't listen to it while you're driving. And I think they thought it was because they would be laughing so hard. And normally, maybe that would be the case with Bob and I are many guests such as Isaac and Rich and we could go on and on. This is different. You might find yourself tearing up. And a few messages that I've gotten over the last few days that they've listened to it, they did shut it off. They were listening to it while they were driving and they ended up pausing it to wait till they got somewhere where they weren't moving, that it had that much of an effect on them. And I think it caught them very much off guard, very much off guard. Napa Auto Care Centers are recognized as an integral piece to what sets Napa apart from the competition. And the Napa Auto Care brand? Well, it continues to be fully integrated into the national marketing strategy by optimizing targeted media in local markets and in proven channels. Don't forget, Napa Auto Care Centers have an online presence on Napa Online with the Auto Care Locator Tool, generating millions of views per month. If you're interested in partnering with Napa Auto Care and capitalizing on America's largest network of parts and care, talk to your Napa Auto Parts sales rep today. As always, Tracy and I so appreciate the the great depth of your topics and your ability to dig down deep, not only personally, but with guests. So you had Isaac Rodell and Rich Falco in there with you guys. You're going crazy. I think I was in the fourth mic. I, I think that's where it was. And I can't remember where his guess with Bob, I was producing. And I got to tell you, I was so inspired. <laughs> I'm taking notes. And all I kept hearing was the word technology. And I think you probably said it 
25 times, just in the normal flow of conversation. Yeah, it wasn't like a secret word. It wasn't. And let's promote the bear episode that you and I did together and how in that discussion that we had about the series on Hulu, it's two seasons. It's about this, if you will, restaurant uh, sandwich shop in, in Chicago. And this professional chef ends up getting part of the death of a, his brother and he gets to be an owner of this shop and, and how it evolved. Unbelievable series. And you and I related it to our industry, but I couldn't help but hear the words chef. And you and I talked about that in the episode, and I have been chatting to so many people about the professional designation of chef and the respect that it brings among peers. And I kept saying, where's our chef word? Because I don't like tech, (laughs) technician, mechanic. I don't like mech. I don't like tech. I'm not sure if we're prepared in our industry to go out and give the kind of accolades, respect that this whole chef word that the entire chef moniker brings. Yeah, 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 definitely. Because the issue is we don't have a lot of nicknames outside of like technician, mechanic, I suppose grease monkey, but that's condescending. It's negative. We don't have anything like that. And it turns out that chef really we equate with a cook, but it's short for chef. And somebody who knows Latin is probably going to really give it to me and deservedly so, but I believe chef is like chef de cuisine, like chef of the kitchen or of the food, chef of the railway. We technically, if you have a whatever head or expert in the shop, we theoretically call each other chef. It doesn't mean directly something to do with cooking. It has to do with either being a leader or as we saw in the bear, Kind of just a a word of respect. It would just be very odd, I think, for everyone now knowing so many chefs and hearing that word used primarily in food type shows, whatever those may be, to call each other chef in the shop. Although it would be absolutely appropriate. You are so right. So I'm writing this down and taking all these crazy notes. I come home. Was it you that I think I ran this by? I think it was. I think you were the first person. I says, Matt, we want to change. The podcast wants to change what we call each other in the shop. We went to a a group of consumers, technician or mechanic. What do you know? And they said mechanic. They don't understand what technician is from the outside. But we also understand and respect the technology of the vehicles today. Guys kept talking about was technology, technology, technology. And I kept writing that word down. And I said, mechanic tech, mechanic tech. And my God, inside of the word technology is tech. And I started to play around with other words. And I came up with specialist. And then I said to myself, what if, and here's how I sold myself on this idea. Customer calls or walks in and says, my check engine light is on. What's the car been doing? You you start asking all kinds of questions. What do you use the vehicle for? You know, how many miles you expect to get out of it? Look, we charge two hours for flat diag time and we're going to put it together. And I'm going to make sure that our technology specialist works on this vehicle. Instead of saying my A-tech, which means nothing to anybody, it really doesn't mean a whole lot to us, although we've cornered what a diag specialist could be as an A, but could he be a B or a C wanting to be an A? I don't think it works anymore. 
But I do love the word technology specialist as the individual who has invested so many of your episodes talk about what it takes to be at the top of your craft. And when I love listening to you talking about the investment, not only of time and in reading of it, networking, but case studies and take it home passion to be journaling, to be up there, to be a technology specialist. And then I said, well, okay, if technology specialist discusses, and oh, by the way, let me make a connection to what Rich and Isaac were talking with you about. And that is not every shop can afford a technology specialist. And that's why mobile diag is becoming so big. Journaling. It's see a need, fill a need. That's what it is. You may have a technology specialist who could be a B, who's working their way there, but it doesn't mean that they need to be singled out. They're our technology specialist. That's their career goals. That's what they want to do. That's what they want to be at different levels. Same with a quote unquote mechanic. And then I started to think about, okay, since we have different types of jobs positions in the company, what do we call our really great, close your eyes, break job is done. They're just so good mechanically. They don't want to know anything about technology. They don't, they don't want to dig into the scopes and the, they don't want to do that. They just, just give me my wrench and my hammer and let me go. So I started to play around with that. And I started to think of not mechanic. I started to think of mechanical. And then I said, well, a mechanical specialist is that individual who is so good at number one hours and cranking out work and doing a core basic stuff in our shop. And so there's a technology specialist, there's a mechanical specialist. And I still love the idea that we would get rid of the general service, the GS person and call them production apprentices, which to me in my mind shows career pathing inside of that job. And if I went home and I got a job right out of college and I went to my parents, my girlfriend, my significant other Hey, what are you doing? He says, I'm a production apprentice at Matt's place. That sounds so much better than says I'm a GS. What's a GS? General services person. Hmm. Wow, that sounds so general. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of credence to this because I guess we'll refer to the bear a little bit. When they start referring to each other as chef and kind of accepting that the leader is, you know, the new owner of the restaurant is now referring to them as chef as a sign of respect. That because he buys into that and everyone else kind of starts buying into that, they start respecting him, but they also start really respecting themselves. And like where you're going at this really takes off. And I think there's a lot of validity that it should to start thinking of ourselves that way. And if I call you an A-tech, okay, that's complimentary. If I call you a B-tech, hmm, that's kind of condescending. And if we don't let mechanical specialists be some sort of a knock on someone, because you said a key word there, I felt, core, core to the business. That is the truth. The people that earn the shop, usually the most production hours, are those mechanical specialists. They're the ones able to really crank out those hours where a technology specialist might be able to here and there, but you start getting some of the weirder problems. And if your shop's one of those that wants to solve those more odd issues, spend some time on it that you're probably not going to get paid for, Playing the reputation game or the marketing side of that. And I, that's not, I'm not promoting it or I'm not discounting it. It's a business decision. It's going to be hard for them to really crank out those production type hours and then the cost doing business for a technology specialist typically is higher with 
multiple diagno- pieces of diagnostic equipment, which just start adding up. I think we can use these terms, I really do, as a sign of respect amongst all of us and to the customers and not let it be some tongue-in-cheek thing, right? Because I think years ago, you joke around about a lubrication transfer engineer for a uh, oil change tech. And you do, it was like tongue-in-cheek. It was kind of a dig, but we don't have to go that far with it. Production apprentice or production assistant, something of that nature. That's reasonable. And it gives somebody a little bit of, I don't know, self-respect, right? Instead of like, oh, that's just the lube tech. You know, you call somebody a lube tech, especially if they've been in the game a little bit or they're familiar with it, you might as well just call them an idiot. It's that level of condescending. That's how it's taken, even if you don't mean it that way. So what do you do there? I'm on the lube rack. What does that mean? Not sure. Dead end? Maybe. Again, let's think about recruitment, retention. Let's think about culture. There's there's a lot there. You can easily defend this because Tim Easy said flat out, when you talk about anyone, mechanic, technician on the lube rack, doing oil changes, doesn't even have to be on the lube rack. They're doing oil changes. There's not a whole lot of things we do that are so priced competitively, you know, that we're working to almost loss leader levels, if not loss leader levels that if things go sideways can cost the shop as much as an oil change gone wrong. Maybe tires, which is the same thing. We've commoditized that and we put the tire tech on there and that's kind of a lowly job. That's an entry level job. Yet, if they do it poorly, what else costs the shop as much as a blown tire flying down the highway or having to buy tires that they slice on the tire machine or destroy the tire pressure sensors every time? Like there is a skill to it and there's a liability to it. So charging you with these maintenance items, charging you with an oil change, charging you with a tire replacement, that is not a job to sneeze at. The shop has a lot riding on you. And the least we can do is respect you, take care of you and give you a title worth that type of liability. You know, as cars become more advanced, manufacturers are getting sole access to important vehicle data while independent repair shops and vehicle owners are increasingly locked out from accessing vital repair data. But who owns the data? The vehicle owner or the manufacturer? When it comes to vehicle repair, the fight to secure data access for vehicle owners and their chosen independent repair facilities continues. U.S. Representative Bobby L. Rush introduced the Right to Equitable and Professional Auto Industry Repair acronym REPAIR, R-E-P-A-I-R, Act to the U.S. House on February 3, 2022. The bill is aimed at giving small, independent repair shops the same kind of data access that licensed vehicle dealerships already receive. Americans should not be forced to bring their cars to more costly and inconvenient dealerships for repairs when independent auto repair shops are often cheaper and far more accessible, said Rep. Rush. But as cars become more advanced, manufacturers are getting sole access to important vehicle data while independent repair shops are increasingly locked out. The right to repair legislation should protect a pro-consumer and competitive motor vehicle repair market, provide independent repair shops with the rights to critical information, tools, and equipment needed to repair modern cars and trucks. The right to repair legislation should task the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration with developing cybersecurity standards and guidelines to protect vehicle data and systems when repair and maintenance data is accessed by vehicle owners. 
Please join the fight and help support Right to Repair by completing the form at www.autoadvocacy.org slash NAPA, which sends a letter to your member of Congress today. Right to Repair legislation protects your access to vehicle data and scan tools. This is critically important for the automotive heavy-duty paint and body industries. AutoCareAdvocacy.org slash NAPA. So many places I want to go with this episode. I basically want to challenge our industry to get on board. Let's do this thing. Let's hammer it home hard. How do we do it? I want to make one more final case to the word specialist. So my side hurts and I go to the doctor. (laughs) He may ask me a bunch of questions, but probably at the end of that doctor call, that appointment, he's going to say, we got to send you to a specialist. Yes. And think about it. Alignment specialist, alignment slash tire specialist. Think about ADAS specialist. They're learning these specific jobs they're qualified for. They have made it their commitment to be a perpetual student in that category of repair. So why not bring a diag person, bring it to technology, bring it down to exactly what it is that that person is doing. And every day it gets deeper and wider with technology. Matt, You could probably tell stories every hour on the hour of the jobs that you figure out that had everything to do with, yeah, maybe there's a fuse and stuff, but think of some of the complicated things you've done that make you a specialist in vehicle technology. Yeah. Relating things that maybe they wouldn't normally. So the mechanical specialists in our shop making a relation to DTC or a symptom that they wouldn't, and it would be rough for them to do that or to know this tool you're using. This isn't going to get it done. We got to go get this tool. So that's rough. That falls into the technology specialist. Also, to use your medical reference. So medically, you can sort of divide it between diagnosticians, mechanical, but mechanical be more surgeon. And don't get me wrong. Of course, there's a little bit of crossover, just like we do on cars. But there are many times where I have an issue that I'm looking at where I bring over a mechanical consult. I bring somebody over and, hey, what do you think of this? How do you think this might come apart? Or even have them take it apart. Say, I got to ship this car over to surgery and they're going to open it up. And then I'm going to go over there and I'm going to look or do some tests. And then I'm going to say, okay, you know, you guys can close it. And I'm not trying to quote like medical shows, but it's it's a lot like along those lines. Yeah, I get it. And this vice versa, they get done with timing chain and the vehicle doesn't run so good or a check engine light on. Hey, do you think it's something I did? Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But, you know, they can look at the data. Sometimes it's hard to see the forest of of the trees. New set of eyes with kind of that perspective of technology can help them out. But the same thing happens on the other side, on the diagnostic side, where I need another set of eyes, but from a different perspective, mechanical. You're analogy there in comparison works extremely well. And the trade-off is this. The technology specialist can find hours for the mechanical specialist by just observing the vehicle and say, hey, this has to happen over here before I can even do this. And they shove hours back and forth. And the mechanical specialist could say, hey, I know how good Matt is. And you know what? This is running okay, but it's not. I don't think it's. I'm ready to jump into this mechanical repair that we think this vehicle needs without my technology specialist taking a look at it. And I'm not saying that you have to have segregated jobs and maybe there is some blur in the middle, but there are specialists 
that will give probably the most efficient and productive. I mean, they're money makers for the business. If we can get them aligned into the right job, the right task, the right tooling, the right bays, the right training. I also think it's just, there's a difference. I might be a little more precise in my actions and my movement. And the more mechanical specialists, they're a little more dive in. And sometimes that's what it takes. Like I'm fiddling around with this thing, trying to get it apart, throw my hands up. It's like, hey, yeah, I can't get this out or I can't get this apart. Put a sh- They put a shoulder in it. You're not going to put a shoulder in it. They are. They come over and they reach in and they just go for it. Away it goes. And it's like, oh man, I was too big of a wuss to do that. On the flip side, there's times where there needs to be precision or maybe one of my techs, I'm not going to name names or anybody, but I think every shop has, has them where you have mechanical specialists that they are terrific at taking it apart, putting it back together. I, they are terrific. But reading comprehension maybe isn't their strong suit. And that's not a dig. It's just the way things are. The technology specialist can come over and help with that. So maybe a certain procedure was in service information. You're having somebody whose reading comprehension isn't as strong as others or presumably a technology specialist. I think it would be very difficult to be a technology specialist and not be very good at uh, reading and comprehension. So now you're over there supporting them with that. Like, oh, okay, yeah, we got to do this. Got to do that. And not even saying like, hey, you know, it's step 74. You're not rubbing their face in it. We're, we're on the same team. I want the car to leave right because I want the shop to be profitable because that's my livelihood is the shop being profitable. Can we stop saying ATEC if we move forward with this total concept? I think we should. Yeah. And that's the thing that bothers me. I think there's a lot of customer perception and also internal perception that says all of a sudden the technician overhears the client, the, the customer being told, I'll put my ATEC on it. And then they watch who ends up doing the job and say, I didn't know he was an ATEC. <laughs> and it's only because we think we're selling hard. We think we're impressing someone and we're probably using the wrong terminology. But if I say I'm going to put a technology specialist on it and that person is grooming and growing and learning and can't ultimately figure it out by calling a friend, bringing in a mobile dia guy, somehow get there. We're not putting them into a stressful position that says, oh my God, I got to perform like an A. No, you're the technology specialist. It's up to the owner and that individual to learn, to be equipped. I mean, it goes back to career planning. It goes back to paying for training. It goes back to going to seminars. 100%. The A-tech, B-tech, C-tech thing is just a real rough time with it because, you know, whatever. Bob is E-tech at steering and suspension and brakes and can just pound that stuff out constantly being the book time or whatever. But then you put him on timing chain and can't beat the book to save his life ever. But there's another tech in the shop that whips them out like nothing, but get them on some rusty suspension parts and it's, you know, they're on the struggle bus. Does that mean they both lose their A tech card or you're an A tech in this area, B tech in this area? So what does that mean when you're telling somebody, it's like, oh, I'll put my A tech on that. I will put my steering and suspension ATEC on this. Where I think just mechanical specialist, technology specialist probably resonates more with the client and even kind of trains them a little bit too, where it's like, okay, these type of problems are technology. So I'm going to put my technology specialist on it. And they might be like, oh, I never thought about that. This is electronic. 
Yes, I'm so with you. The professionalism of our industry and of our business. That's where my kind of, if you will, North Star is on this. And people assume that the dealer can is the only person that could fix the newer cars. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think that's true anymore. And you're right. I'm hearing too many stories about that. It's amazing. <laughs> with the mobile diag person's going in there and fixing dealer things that they can't get done. And I think Isaac may have said some really cool things about that. But the whole professionalism of our industry, what we say to our customers, how we treat each other inside, how we make commitment to training and tooling, this whole professionalism thing can go a long way. But Matt, one of the things I'm worried about is how do we get rid of the slang? Because we'll never, you know, we got to go out and give keynotes everywhere. We got to do episodes on this. We got to do live shows. We got to do some call-in stuff and get people to come in and refute what, what we're thinking about. We got to press this hard. But then how do we get rid of the, I love it. We're going to do this. We sit down with our people. Three days later, we're slanging it up again. I think there's a core group of people that will buy into it. The core are the ones that listen to your podcast regularly. Maybe listen to mine from time to time. Listen to other podcasts in our profession. Go to training events. Go to trade shows. They're the familiar faces. They interact with certain groups online. They might buy into this. More than likely, they will buy into this. It's the ones we can't reach. I think that's where things start getting rough is because we start comparing ourselves to other professions that are typically regulated. And I am not calling for regulation. That is a double-edged sword, all right? And it might cut good one way and cut really, really badly the other way. So... This is not a campaign for that, but that's the comparison, right? If we compare ourselves to doctors, they refer to each other as doctor. And you won't catch too many of them talking smack about other ones. Like there's a TV show on Netflix. It's called Botched. Okay. And oh my God, I saw that. So it's plastic surgeons. They may cringe and they may question why this was done. I haven't heard them call another surgeon or doctor a, a hack or a butcher or anything derogatory. They want to know if they're licensed and if they are, then they don't go on the attack. They question why they made that decision and they weren't there. So they don't really know. So they don't really run it into the ground. Similar things with electrician and plumbers. Like you reach a certain status and everybody's kind of on board with that, right? If you're a journeyman, you're all journeymen. If you're a master, it took a lot to become a master. It's just kind of a professional courtesy. And yet we don't really have that. And I don't, I'm not saying it's because we don't have regulation, but it's really hard to get a hold of everybody, like to get all their attention, right? There's no like universal way. I think if you're, of course, a doctor, you have to be board certified. And if you get a letter from the AMA, you're probably going to open it up and look at it. What do we got? We don't have that one entity that everybody kind of knows, hopefully respects, hopefully supports. And again, I'm not saying regulated, but we have this one entity that we all kind of rally around. Hopefully they do their job and support us as we support that, that entity, whatever that may be. They could reach everybody and articles or discussions or whatever, start pressing this a little bit further. Like ABC tech is something maybe owners used to talk about. And it definitely was in labor time guides way back when, again, like the Mitchell guides. And it's just kind of moving along, but it hasn't kept up with the times. Where if we got trainers, instructors, colleges, technicians that read the article, shop owners, managers, service advisors, all more and more using technology specialist, mechanical specialist, production assistant. Yeah. Yep. That 
it just starts to kind of gather steam, maybe a little bit of a snowball effect. And more and more people use that terminology. I mean, technician, we didn't call each other technician until 20 years ago. That started to be kind of a thing. And that was kind of a grassroots thing. You saw it more in articles. You saw it more in classes. Now, most mechanics probably want to be called techs or technicians and cringe when they get called mechanic because it's got some negative. It does. Yeah, negative connotation to it. Well, that's what I think the big problem is. It's kind of reaching the masses. We would need buy-in by multiple people that produce content that is consumed by members of our profession. And I think then it will start to become a common verbiage. Yeah, I think we need to write some articles. We need to give some speeches. We need to, I keep thinking, is something as simple as this tiny little cheat sheet in front of me that says A-Tech, B-Tech, C-Tech is now a technology specialist. Stop saying those, start saying this. Forget about putting the rating moniker on anybody who works. That's internal. It's whatever the individual feels that they are, the owner feels that they are, the shop foreman feels that they are, and the individual feels that they are. But in regarding what they do as a diag person today, being a technology specialist, fight for your position to be the best in the marketplace. And as a mechanical specialist, I mean, God. They get good just by doing. I think doing, journaling, I still think regardless of your position, just writing down kind of a little bit of a journal, diary, whatever you want to call it, whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter if it's mechanical and probably not write, write in a tablet. I think it would be smart to do it on a computer. And so it's searchable. And then you can just leave yourself a note like, oh, I had this whatever year Honda had to press out these bushings and it kicked my tail. And I figured out on the other side, I started on on the driver's side and struggled on the passenger side. I had an epiphany. I'm going to do it like this. And I did it and it worked like magic. And you have now you have it wrote down or typed in a blog, in a something that is on your computer, on the cloud. And now the next Honda comes in and you're kind of like, before I do this, I'm going to quick check my journal. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm going to do this. I'm going to use this tool or I'm going to set it up this way or I'm going to use a torch or ductive heater, whatever. This is the secret. And I could try it again and I can write in my journal like, hey, I referred to that entry I made seven months ago and I proved it on a car on both sides. I was heavily corroded. This works. I mean, I love Google Docs for that. I mean, I use Google Docs in everything that we do. And if I want to go out and just find out that I write something about Matt Fonslow and bam, there it all comes up. A lot of expletives. The name of the document that I gave it may not have anything to do with your name, but somehow there's a reference inside of it. And I see that. Oh, well, yeah, that's right. That's exactly the document that I was looking for. And it helps ring bells. It helps you find stuff quick and fast. I think it's, I think Google Docs or any, even Microsoft OneDrive, no doubt, can provide you the same kind of search capabilities. But the episodes that you've done on journaling are so, they're just excellent. What we got to do is we got to talk about this a lot. I'm going to write a major article on this. I'm going to do it in my blogs. I think you and I in our own shows need to do this. I think we need to bring on some shop owners and say, I want to sell you on this idea. What do you think? And let's talk about it from kind of an inside the shop perspective. And I think we need to hammer this home a lot. Carm at RemarkableResults.biz. If you're listening to this and you love the idea, tell us that you're going to do something with it. 
And I do want to make this little cheat sheet that says, let's stop saying this and start saying this in all these particular categories. All this jargon, all this junk that we talk about over here should really be these two or three very simple job descriptions, monikers, titles, and the things that we tell our customers. These are the people that are work on your mechanical specialist is so you do your brakes. And he's been with me a long time. He's a great person. You know him, Charlie. Look at his pictures up on the wall. And I don't think it's got to be like, you know, somebody like in my position that that's really all I do. If I worked in a shop or it doesn't have to be me, anybody that works in a, one of those shops that there isn't a ton of diag and you don't have multiple, multiple, multiple scan tools and multiple, multiple pieces of equipment and multiple, multiple sources of service information. But usually there's a one mechanic, one tech, little more aptitude with it. They're kind of the one where if you're struggling on something, you call over to help. They kind of become that technology specialist. They can earn that moniker. They might be dual or they're also a fair mechanical specialist, but then the service advisor has the ability to choose what to say to the client. Like, depending on the question, okay, Pete's the best guy for this job. Let me go get my mechanical specialist. So I think there's a lot to this, really. I got to ask you a question. I think it was Isaac who may have said in that episode, listen, maybe you don't need a Diag person. Let's call him a technology specialist going forward. And uh, you just want to bring in a mobile person, do the math, what you would have to pay for a really good diagnostician, technology specialist on staff. How many a week are you doing? Add what you would be normally charging for that. Consider what you would have to pay a mobile person for it. And I thought that was an interesting concept, meaning there's more that you can do without having the investment of tooling and equipment and having to be sure that you're always sending this person out for training and you're really stuck between a rock and a hard place. You have nobody. The alternative is the mobile diag specialist. What's your think on that? I think depending on where you're located, if there's somebody mobile available and you're working on multiple, multiple car lines. So more than like two, three, four different car lines, like it's really whatever people bring in, you work on. And you don't really have somebody that can fill that role or maybe more so you don't have the car count of that type of work to justify the investment of that type of technician. And let's just say factory scan tools, a high-end go, multiple pieces of diagnostic equipment. You just don't see it that much. You're mainly doing whatever type of work that doesn't call on for much more than an aftermarket scan tool or two. And yet from time to time, you do get these vehicles in and you want to keep them in house, then that's where the mobile guy should shine. He can, he or she can save you money and make you money by coming in. It's something they deal with. They have the equipment to do it. They've made that investment. They have the training, the tooling, the experience to come in, whip that thing out while your other techs remain on the stuff that they're good at equipped to do. So logically, that's the way to go. If you're one of those shops that work on one or two car lines, you know what? You probably should be investing in this equipment to work on those vehicles. I don't know how common it is to have a small shop that only works on one or two car lines or a big shop, honestly. If that's the case, you probably should be making the investment. That's not unrealistic to be able to justify that cost, the training. And of course, you'll have the experience because that's all you do. But if you're multiple make multiple models and you really don't have that type of tech or maybe more importantly, the car counts, then the mobile tech is there to support you. Of course, they want to make a living with the business, but their business is to support you. 
So you did an episode that just came out. It depends on when this is released or when anybody may be listening to this. It could be weeks after this has been published, but you did one episode 110 on your mailbag. And I am so happy in that, that you covered pay plans. I'm not sure that we want to go deep, take a deep dive in that, but I think that's going to be a great bookend to this episode in how we can actually pay for and afford a technology specialist. I think without going into a lot of details about the episode, the issue was about hiring bonuses and how it might be unfair to the techs that have been there. And to me, it was just a symptom of either, well, it's a symptom of a broken system. That system could be the current compensation plan or a major communication breakdown between the technicians and management. And management may have to do a better job of explaining to the current staff how adding another team member, employee, mechanic, technician, mechanical specialist, technology specialist helps them. But it could be the case, depending on the pay plans, that it really hurts them. And now they're watching you give somebody a hiring bonus to come in and hurt them. It doesn't make any sense. So that was the nature of it. And it was really, we got to be careful how we compensate slash reward our employees. What have you heard the backlash? Here, I'm going to offer somebody $5,000 signing bonus. And it gets out. You can't hide that stuff. How do you think a typical 10-year mechanical specialist feels about that? They're wondering where their bonuses are. Why haven't they ever got a bonus? I mean, ever. Maybe a Christmas bonus for some gift cards or gas cards or, yeah, here's a turkey, here's a ham. They had a real good sale at Aldi, so I got you guys a turkey. This is 99 cents a pound. Merry Christmas. I mean, again, even if they got $1,000 or $2,000 for Christmas, they're hiring somebody the $5,000 hiring bonus that if they're paid flat rate and there's enough work for everyone to hit their goals to get paid the big bucks, quote unquote, I'm making air quotes here, the big bucks, adding another mouth to feed might cause theirs to taint. And how do they support that? Why would they support that? No intelligent human being would do that. And yet that a lot of times what happens. Look at, thank you, episode 110. It's a mailbag and Matt talks all about this stuff from his particular perspective. And I know you've been very happy with the plan that you helped devise for the shop that you're in. So I'm very curious to see how the uh, the industry likes that. Back to mechanical specialist, technology specialist. I can't help but think when shops specialize in European, they specialize in Asian, that we would look at the word specialist in these new job descriptions, if you will, these new monikers to describe our talent in our place, wouldn't be that hard to accept. I'm going to name drop here. Steve Brotherton, God rest his soul, that the shop that he co-owned and then owned, Continental Imports, was really, I think, I want to say seven lines. It could have been nine, but it was European mainly and then some higher end Asian vehicles. That Those were the car lines they serviced. Mercedes, BMW, and then like Acura. So... They had car line specialists. So it was set up somewhat like a dealership in that when you brought your Mercedes to Continental Imports, the technicians working on your Mercedes only worked on Mercedes. That's it. When you brought your BMW there, the BMW specialist 
This is it. This is the bow on this episode. I'm going to give it to my Audi specialist. I'm going to give it to my BMW specialist, my Mercedes specialist, my Lexus specialist. And I'm going to give it to my technology specialist. I'm going to give it to my mechanical specialist if we're not in a specialty shop, but we need to be specialists. I mean, I think that's the sell piece right there on getting this dialogue in our industry changed. Well, that's it. That's the bow on the episode. That's the bow on this passion to get this professionalism of our industry up to a, a, a 10 notches. We have to. 2024 is going to be the year that I think we're going to add more and more shops to that high-end shop category that are doing so well that have found themselves coaches that are training more than ever, that are buying smart, intelligent equipment. And they're not only growing in maybe store count, but they're growing in specialties with specialists. I think our listener may be just up to here with where we're going with this, but maybe we just need to keep hammering this idea home. I What's the argument against it? Yeah. What is the argument? I think it starts falling apart. It's easy to call somebody an A-tech or a tech or a mechanic or something like that. And we get lazy. Well, stop being lazy. And again, I, I go back to the professionalism of our industry and of our shop. And it's really, I think it's sold from the client's perspective. We appreciate what we need to say to our client about who we hire, who works on their vehicle. And when we realize that and we buy in and we commit to that, changing the internal language, I don't think will be hard. No, not at all. I'm taking a note because <laughs> in the article that I'm writing, I got to catch some of the, thank you for brainstorming with me. I think it's going to help me write this article, which I think I want to be sure that, you know, in some blogs that I'm going to write in some articles that we can get this out, have everybody read this and say, yes, I'm in and make the word would be a movement. Right, Matt? If you touch the really, that would be the real word for it. A movement. As the right term. It should be a movement. It's so great to get together with you. I so appreciate all that you do for the Aftermarket Radio Network. Your content is incredibly transparent and passionate. And your podcast is named so well, Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z, because there's nothing you won't tackle. Yeah, literally. Yeah, doesn't matter. Well, I thank you for this discussion. Let's not stop this discussion. This wasn't a one-time discussion, Matt. I, th I think you need to reference this in some of your future episodes. I think you need to change your language. I'm going to change mine. We'll talk to all the other people in the Aftermarket Radio Network to change their language. And maybe just because we're going to hammer it home as a really strong influencer in our industry is, a, is this podcast group that we have. Maybe we can just keep hammering that story home. So if you love this idea, pull it into your business and own it. Not only discussed with Isaac and Rich, but also talked about a bit with Brian Pollock. Yeah. You've had some classics actually in the last three or four weeks. Classics. Got to go down in history. They've been so good. Yeah. I hope you're right. I'm, thank you. No, trust me. I'm I'm right. Now, how do you know you're right? Because I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this for eight years. I get it. I understand. And you're only as good as the last episode that you made. And Right. You say, damn, that was so good. How could he be better? So that's how you and I are built when it comes to this. Yeah. Listening to the Bob, the Bob hype one, that was very much like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to top this. Bob was terrific. And is it behind the scenes thing? I'm watching you guys. I'm looking at Bob and he's, you look at the video of this every once in a while, when you see Bob turn right, he's looking at me. I'm in the Tracy seat producing it. I couldn't help but constantly stare at Bob because I'm looking at I'm listening to him, but I'm also looking at his face and I'm seeing on his face. I mean, I got to know Bob with all the episodes that we did together. I think we did eight or nine of them. Yeah, 
It's quite a few. And man, you guys kill me. <laughs> Tears of laughter. Oh my God. It, and cringe. A lot of cringing. And I saw a completely different Bob hype. Yeah. Freaking life, man. It's like that Rocky quote, right? Where nothing hits harder than life, but it's not, it's not about, you know, hitting back or anything. It's about how many times can you get hit, keep going back for more. And that's what Bob's doing, man. He just, he's getting up and taking more hits. And the interesting thing about the great topics that you've had and done on your show, and again, it goes to what Bob brought to your show. There's so many out there that can relate to this. Yeah, they either can now or they will, and they don't know it. And that's kind of when I said the whole saving life thing, not really joking around. It could really save your life. I know when I shared it online, I kind of made a reference to the movie Scrooged with Bill Murray. There's a scene where, you know, they're pitching the uh, commercial for the live reenactment of the Christmas Carol with Buddy Hackett. And that's a major name drop. If you don't know who he is, you need to go look it up. Specifically when he's on Johnny Carson telling a a duck hunting joke. (laughs) Anyways, Bill Murray's character hates it. So he's got his own version. And this commercial says, you know, life may just depend on watching this show. And it had showed a lot of violent things. Well, I kind of quoted that, but I meant it too. Like literally, there's a few different things that we talk about that it honestly could save your life. Hey, thanks for being here and listening to Matt and I have a conversation that we hope will change and advance the aftermarket. Look, I know that you learned something. If you buy into this thing, own it, take it, pull it in, and now just go get it done. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.